it's perhaps the most understated thing Jesus said, I thirst. Can you imagine? I thirst. So the Savior spoke from the cross, and they gave him vinegar, sour wine mixed with gall. But that wasn't the first time Jesus thirsted, certainly, was it? I'm sure every day of his life he experienced some form of thirst, just like we do. Our Lord was like us in every way, and so I'm sure that every day of his earthly life he had felt that dryness of the lips, he had felt his mouth and his throat become a little bit parched. I'm sure he knew well that desire to be refreshed, to be relieved, to have parched lips covered with water. You know that feeling, don't you? I want you to think about that today, of having those parched lips, of having the swollen tongue, of having a dry throat, and taking that cool, refreshing drink of water. Jesus knew that common feeling that you and I know. He knew it probably even better than we do. After all, we're surrounded by running water. We're surrounded by ubiquitous plastic bottles of water everywhere we look. And getting a drink of water for us is as easy as taking, I don't know, 10, 20 steps. How far do you ever really have to go before you can get a drink of water? But for him, getting even just a daily drink of water would have required a lot more work. But Jesus also knew, he knew the deeper kind of thirst. He knew the more extreme form of being thirsty. And the cross, saying those words from the cross, was not the first time that our Lord Jesus had asked for a drink when he was extremely thirsty. I want to remind you of a time when Jesus sat beside a well. You remember this story? Jesus and the Samaritan woman, he was up in Samaria. He was beside a well that was called Jacob's Well in a town called Sukkar. And he had been hiking. He had been walking with his disciples all day long. They had gone into town to get some food, and Jesus stayed at a well. And he had been out and about all day long in the heat of the day. And it says in John's gospel that he was thirsty, that he was tired. And so he looked at the Samaritan woman and he said, I'm thirsty, give me a drink. Jesus was tired. He was worn out. And in your mind's eye, I think if you try to imagine it, it's not hard to see our Lord with cracked lips, with a swollen tongue, with a dry rasp in his voice as he said to her, give me something to drink. We've all experienced that in some way or another. He was thirsty. He was thirsty that day long before he came to his cross. He was thirsty. So he said to her, give me something to drink. But here's the point. The similarities between those two days, one beside a well in Samaria and the other outside of Jerusalem on the cross, the similarities of those two days are not simply the fact that Jesus was thirsty twice. After all, he was thirsty every day of his life. The reason that I want to remind you of what happened in Samaria that day is because what followed What followed that day when he spoke to the woman and what followed the day that we call Good Friday, the day he was crucified. Listen to what Jesus said to the woman after she gave him something to drink. This is in John chapter 4. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he 
talking about himself, would have given you living water. Jesus reverses things when he speaks with that woman. He says, I'm thirsty, but then he tells her, but I can still give you something even better. And isn't that exactly, isn't that precisely what we see happen in his passion? Our Lord thirsts from the cross. Oh, there's no doubt in my mind that he was thirsty, that all his strength had dried up like a potsherd, and so he longed to have something to drink. But, but from the cross, he also He also is the fountain of living water. See, the Bible doesn't just talk about physical thirst when it talks about being thirsty. What the Bible means by being thirsty often is about being thirsty for the relief of knowing the true God. Maybe you know this psalm. Psalm 42 says this. It says, as the deer panteth for the waters, so my soul, my soul longeth after thee. I desire to drink from the living waters. And what they mean by the living waters is not the kind of water you get out of one of those plastic water bottles. It's not the kind of water that you can turn a faucet and see pour out into your cup. The real living water is this, to know the true and living God. You were made for that. You were made to drink from the waters of eternal life. You were made to be relieved in the knowledge of the true God. But what has so often happened in our world is that like wanderers in the wilderness, we wander around. We wander around in the desert of this world and we don't know where we will find refreshment. Sadly, many, many, many men and women go through this world without ever knowing the relief the life-giving waters of the true knowledge of who God is. And so you can imagine people going through the world and they're like, you know, desert wanderers who see a mirage. They think that if they follow this philosophy of life or that one, they think that if they pursue this idol or that one, they'll find relief for the soul's desire for the true and living God. But you know what happens to men and women who are in the desert who see a mirage? They dig in the sand and they put sand in their mouths and they find no relief for that thirst. No relief comes from all the idols of the world. Luther said to have an idol is to fear and love and trust in anything other than the true God. To look for relief from anything other than him. How sad, how sad it is that people wander through this world in the desert of this life and they try to stuff sand in their mouths, so to speak. They try to find refreshment from things that cannot provide. Or still others try to pretend like they're not thirsty at all. I don't need to know about God. I'm just fine by myself. Those are the people who are wandering in the desert who think that if they just stop thinking about being thirsty, if I just don't think about my mouth, if I just don't think about my throat, if I just don't think about my tongue, if I just don't think about my lips, if I just don't think about God, well, then I won't be thirsty anymore. But you know where to find the real living water, don't you? You know why we reflect on Jesus' death like we do on days like this? 
It is because in Jesus, through Jesus, you have a source of water. You have a source of relief. You have a source of strength. You have a source of power. You have a source directly connected to the heavenly Father. And in him and in his cross, you see, you see the fullness of the love of God for his fallen, wandering, desert-laden children. The prophets spoke of this day long before Jesus. The prophet Isaiah spoke of the day when God would make the desert bloom. The prophet Ezekiel spoke of the day when a new temple would be built and there would be a stream of water that flowed out from that temple and flooded the whole world with its life-giving water. The prophet Zechariah spoke of a day when a fountain, a fountain would be opened that could cleanse God's people. You know what they were speaking of? They were speaking of the day when our Lord Jesus would be crucified, when he would open his side and from his side would flow out into the world the river, the life-giving, life-giving, supplying waters of God's love. Jesus himself spoke of this day one other time in his ministry, and I want to read it for you so that you hear it from Jesus himself. On the last day of the feast, it was a great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. For as the scriptures say, out of his heart flow rivers of living water. Do not try to find satisfaction. Do not try to find relief for your soul anywhere else than in Jesus Anything else other than Jesus is a mirage. Anything else other than Jesus, you might as well be stuffing sand in your dry mouth. But with Jesus, in his words, in his holy sacraments, you have the life-giving spirit of God that rushed out of his side. Oh yes, there's an explanation for why blood and water came out, right? I'm sure you've all heard it. The spear pierced through his side, it went through his ribs, and it touched the pericardial sac of his heart. That happened. But what we are to see in that is that Jesus is the fountain, that Jesus is the one who we look to to see the truth about God, that Jesus is the one who can relieve your sin-sick soul, that Jesus is the one who can relieve the desert of death that hangs all around you, that in Jesus, in Jesus you have not just a drop of water, but in Jesus you have a fountain of living water that never dries up. His mercy is new to you every morning. His love surrounds you. It goes before you. It follows after you. It is beneath you. It is above you. It is deeper. It is broader. It is higher. It is wider than you could ever imagine. So drink from that water. Drink from the water by knowing what your Lord has done for you. Not just knowing the details. Of course, you should know those, but knowing knowing that he did all of these things. He suffered that thirst so that he might give you the living water. Do you thirst for that water? Do you, like the psalmist, say to God, my soul thirsts for you, O Lord? If that is true of you, then learn. Learn how Jesus answers, come. Come and drink from the waters. Let him who has no money buy and drink, for this is the free grace of God, that your sins are cleansed by the water of Jesus Christ, that his spirit goes out to you and gives you the true knowledge of God, that he is not some distant, far-off, uncaring father, but that he is near to you and that he loves you. Drink deeply from these waters, dear friends, for Jesus, Jesus has come to open up this fountain for you.
To him be the glory now and forever. Amen.